You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. I mean, dude, by the time this episode airs, we will have hung out together for the first time in a really long time, right? Yeah. Welcome to yeah, Rockville, dude. baby. <laughs> we, we will have, have rocked it out Florida style. <laughs> episode 66, which is about as metal of an episode as we're going to get for a while. Yeah, because we're a long way away from episode 666. Dude, by the way, there's an attorney who we both know who will remain nameless, but I'm sure he's listening. So I'm on the phone with this guy, and he's talking about how much he, his rate is, right? And boy, I've heard of some high attorney rates, and this guy's is pretty high. But when he gives me the number, I'm like, dude, it's so close to 666. Why on earth wouldn't you just make that your hourly rate, right? right. If you're a metal attorney, and you've yeah. got two sixes and a zero in your hourly rate. So why on earth wouldn't you just bump it up to six? I agree. Did, All did, right. Was, was he down with it? Did he get a change? Yeah, it? you know, I think he's got us. Uh, you know, the beautiful thing about what you and I do here as uh, podcast hosts and, uh, you know, managers that run our own companies is we could do that with one executive decision. He's probably got to, you know, he's probably got to go through like 16 different channels. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to do a follow up <laughs> and see. You know what I'm saying? Awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> In the uh, last episode, we chatted about how to effectively submit your music to record labels. That was a really great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. Oh, uh, hold to- one second. One second. Yep. Actually, I got a killer freaking demo sent to me. Whatever. A press pack in a yeah. VHS tape box with cool artwork. And inside Blasco was a cool little uh, I'm looking at it now it's on my desk it's got a zip drive so yep. they took like foam you know like kind of that you know all the stuff that's probably in your like travel cases for your for your instruments they carved out a little thing for a USB stick it's in there they put a Starbucks gift card and a poster and a personalized note and the music ain't half bad either I mean that's how you we're gonna have to go back and do next <laughs> Now check it out. I got, I got the same one. Yes. In mine, there was two cat toys. See, dude, they've listened. <laughs> they know. We've talked about this. We didn't do it in episode sixty-five, but I have talked about it. You know, we've talked about it on this podcast or in other places. Personalizing things. They know I like coffee. They know you like cats, and therefore cat toys. Have you listened yep. to it? 
Uh, I haven't listened to it yet. It, dude, it's actually not bad. I've got some... We won't, we won't go into that, but... Anyways, go listen to our episode 65, and when you're done with that, just go make something really freaking cool and unique and send me any Blasco gifts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by our buddies at rockabilia.com. Go check them out for the awesomest collection of officially licensed band merch on the planet. Use our code PCJabberJaw and get 15% off your entire order. Dude, I feel like uh, this should be like anecdotal Wednesday with with, uh, Mike Mowry because speaking of Rockabilia... I was talking to, there's this cool podcast about the history of the band Husker Du, great punk band from Minneapolis, and a friend turned me on to it, and so I was like, oh, I want to talk to the producer based in Minneapolis. Anyways, we start talking about other things in Minneapolis, or the greater Minnesota, you know, that region, which is where Rockabilly is based. (laughs) So the guy said he hadn't heard of them. And I start launching into, essentially, our copy lines. I'm like, oh, it's 500,000-plus, you know, items of different genres. And (laughs) And I'm like, can you tell that I've had to talk about this company? So my point is, Rockabilia is in Minnesota, as is the great producer. And we'll put the the link in the show notes to this cool podcast on Husker Du. But really, Rockabilia takes care of us, so please go take care of them. Head on over to that site. They got pretty much anything and everything you could want. And supposedly, we're going to get a shirt or two soon, I believe, Blasco. Nice. Yep. So, PC Jabberjaw, 15% off. This week, we take some questions from our loyal listeners. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. I've said too much. So, Mike, uh, it feels like we haven't done this in a while, and uh, I've amassed a collection of questions from our loyal listeners. So, you know, what better way to dig into episode 66 than uh, dig into some questions from um, from our listeners, right? Yeah, I, w- I was pumped when I saw this one pop in as the topic and then looked at the questions. I was like, okay, this is cool. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, and, you know, once again – um, you know, we appreciate you guys writing in. We appreciate that you guys are listening and that we're inspiring you to follow up with questions. Um, so keep them coming. Askblasco at gmail.com. So, and of uh, course, please make sure that you rate and review us on Apple podcasts and wherever and always and forever and always. This is why Blasco does these things because he's got them written down. But Apple Podcasts, read us and review us and you might get a special shout out. But yes, yeah. keep the questions coming because these are some good ones. I'm excited to I'm excited to get into them. Cool. Question number one comes from our loyal listener, Corey. So my band just recently got offered a very great European tour. The catch is that it is a buy-on and also we have to pay for the agency's services on top of that price and also find our own transportation. Many others I have talked to have said the cost is not worth even the resume bump. By the time all is said and done, I'm sure this will cost around 15 to 20K, which we would have to put on credit cards. Would you advise doing something this drastic 
for a band's resume, or should we keep slugging it out on small DIY tours in the USA until we hopefully find tours that are bigger and not buy-ons? I mean, these are so hard without some specifics, but that's okay. Generalities are, are well worth at least discussing. You know, we've talked about quote-unquote buy-ons and you know, my take is they don't really move the needle in the way that they once did. Um, so I would have to say that it's probably, you know, not worth it. But without knowing those specifics, part of me does still say, hmm, I don't know. Maybe it could be worth it. It just depends on those finer things. What What's your overall take? Uh my opinion is that if you're buying on, right, if you're giving the band money, you should be able to be in a position of some type of negotiation. Nothing crazy, but I feel like if you're going like, hey, guys, like I'm writing you a check, there needs to be some contingencies here. Things along the lines of we need to play at least an hour after doors, right? Because if it's like if you don't pay attention to that, you could be playing at door like when they open the door you know you could be playing 20 minutes after and then no one's like what's the point of buying onto a tour if you're not playing in front of anybody you know and then also too you need to consider you are first of how many bands right if your buy-on gets you say first of three and you're playing an hour after doors that doesn't seem like a bad idea for me but man let's just say that they're trying to squeak you 30 minutes after doors and you're first of five I would really question how much you're going to go in debt for something like that. Um, I would negotiate. I would have a contingency of the amount of merch items that you can because, look, if you're going in, into debt, the only way that you're going to offset this is with merch sales. So if they're going to give you only one merch item in some dingy dark corner of the venue somewhere or whatever, that's not that's not going to be so helpful. So you maybe you go to them and go, look, guys – on a contingency like throw us a few throw us a few items so that we can try and make our money back you know yeah i mean great great points and you know the overall amount i mean this is what we talk about all the time on here it's about investment right i mean i was having a discussion with a band recently and i may have mentioned this on a few podcast episodes because it's been an ongoing conversation but we're now at the point where we're committing to a producer who i'm excited you know, hopefully can take this band from what I think is a, a great amount of talent to really giving them a shot at, you know, digestible songs that can work, you know, for, for the masses. Now, that said, it's a significant cost. You know, we're talking almost 30000 bucks, and the band was prepared to spend fifteen. So we're talking same numbers here in difference, right? Talking fifteen to twenty k in addition to what the band had already planned to spend. And not to sound like a total asshole... But at your phase in life and my phase in life, we realize that 15 to 20K, yes, it's still a significant amount of money. I'm not trying to trivialize that, but really, it's not. You know, when you get, when you go through life and you realize, especially when you're splitting it four or five ways, you're talking three, four, five thousand bucks each. Okay, put that on a credit card. It might not work, but it also might, right? So, what's your tolerance for risk? Like Blasco's saying, I mean, these are crucial questions that have to be asked. 
If you're not negotiating things like when are we playing, how much merch can we sell, and you don't have any other, you know, things to to that you're aligning in conjunction with this new record, repress, whatever, then don't bother. But don't let the money itself scare you because, you know, sometimes opportunities come with a price and it's really about are you prepared to to put that money in and make the most of it knowing that you've bet on yourselves. I would also add that an opportunity like this, don't waste it on partying. Understand that this is an investment. The time of the tour is relatively limited. You know, it's going to be whatever it is, three weeks, six weeks. And uh, you need to make the most of that couple hours a night. You need to be having people sign up for your mailing list, sign up for your socials, buying your merch. You need to be taking photos with people. You need to be in people's faces. You need to start to build that fan base. So use this as an opportunity to promote your band. Get out there. Get in people's faces. Don't stay in the back and think that this is uh, a way to, to, to just party with your bros. Like this, a buy-on is not that like this is a real opportunity to build your brand absolutely very well said uh question number two comes from our loyal listener Tarek. hey guys i love the show and have been listening since i discovered it five episodes in i binged it one night and managed to keep up my question is how the hell do i get pr companies to answer me my band has been around for five years has several releases done some light touring up and down the East Coast, made three professional videos, pressed our own albums in vinyl, and basically established ourselves. This is incredibly frustrating because we're 100% willing to pay. I'm just having trouble with figuring out why our money isn't wanted. Yeah, I mean, I'm at a loss on this one. It's like <laughs> PR people. I mean, I guess unless there's just something that we're not not seeing here, right? You may have done all these things, but... There's something either grossly offensive about your band. There's something that just is absolutely unmarketable. Um, they feel that even though you know they're pay you're paying them, you know PR people want to deliver. They're not just here to take your money. The good companies that Blasco and I have worked with throughout our careers, you know, even though you are paying them up front, they want to make sure that they can deliver for you, right? I mean, what? I, no matter how much you're being paid, there's nothing you know satisfactory about taking someone's money unless you're just a complete asshole. So, uh, you know, the only other thing I can say is you know go back to episode 65 where we talked about so many of the things under how to pitch to labels. Same thing can apply to PR companies. You know anybody who's worked with them? You know how do you get that personal introduction? You know, who knows? Your email might be going to their spam folders. Have you tried calling them, right? You know, I'm not, yeah. you know, Blasco and I aren't big fans of saying go troll them on socials, but, you know, look look and see if you can find somebody on Facebook and send them a messenger, you know, thing. I, I don't like to do business that way, but people have found me there, and I just politely say, you know, if I'm interested in the opportunity, find me at Mike at OuterLoopManagement.com. Like, those would be my recommendations. What, what's your take, Blasco? I would just suggest, have you tried Adrenaline PR? Because <laughs> potentially they would be more than happy to take your money. So uh, maybe he's just, you know, looking around the wrong corners or, you know, try, looking under the wrong rocks. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would suggest them. Um, and um, yeah, that's 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 my best suggestion. Just keep just keep on just keep on trying. Um, you know, eventually you, you should you should find somebody. But um, uh, but but like Mike says, they do want to deliver, and um, <clears throat> so potentially it's just maybe it just hasn't been a good fit. Maybe the people that you're hitting up are overwhelmed with the clients that they do have. You know, they don't want to take away from the, their their bigger clients. So it potentially you you just got to keep looking because you just haven't found the right fit yet. But I'm confident that you'll eventually find someone. That would be happy to take your money. Yep. Um, uh, question number three comes from our loyal listener, Eddie. I am a regular listener of the Managemental Podcast. I think it's great you're so open to listener questions like this. You guys have a good thing going, so keep up the great work. I work with a newer band. I am a manager of sorts. I have been working with the guys on improving the band's branding and marketing a big part of the update we need is a more professional-looking band logo, one that fits with what we are trying to accomplish. We have already been through multiple rounds of sketches with two different artists, and we have not seen anything in line with what we are looking for. Both artists have great portfolios of band logos. For both artists, we have started out by giving them creative freedom and eventually progressed to giving them a lot of specific instruction. It almost seemed that the result got worse. So I'm wondering if you guys have any suggestions on communicating with graphic artists, how to convey what we are looking for in a band logo. Yeah, this is a really interesting question. Thanks, Eddie. Um, you know, I guess there's a few things I can say. One is to directly answer the question on communication. Everybody's got different processes. I think it is helpful for whatever you're asking for to really try to get a very clear idea and gauge and try to give as much specific information as possible. You know, fortunately here at Outer Loop and Jabberjaw, I'm a fantastic designer who's worked hand in hand with me for seven plus years. But even this year, I had to go back and refine how I communicated with him. One of the reasons is because he's so busy. And the other reason is I found I was wasting a lot of his time, right? I would say, hey, I need a, a logo. And then he'd, you know, you'd give him that creative freedom. He'd come to you and you'd be like, no, that isn't it. And he's like, well, what do you mean it isn't it? And then I'd go and give him specific information. And thankfully it didn't get worse, but it didn't get to the point that we needed it to be. And so I found, and, and maybe I'll look at what our, our little guidelines are of how we do our internal graphic requests and, and throw those in our show notes. I don't have it in front of me, but... I mean, it's tough. I do think uh, being very specific about what you want. Okay, you say that you are you want a professional-looking band logo. Um, I couldn't, you know, I'm guessing it's within at least metal or underground. So find some some comparisons. You know, it's sort of like a producer. You know, you go look at the back of a record, or at this point, you'd go and look on Wikipedia who produced that record. Okay, well, was it the producer that really? gave it that special sauce or was it the band who came in with these amazing ideas and that allowed the producer's talents to shine so same thing here if you have a great idea for what you want maybe the designer can execute if you're giving them free reign they may be actually creating something great you might not just like it there's a lot of subjectivity in this great thing we call art and so i empathize with you but i think 
I'll give you some guidelines for that communication. What What's your take, Blasco? You're heavily involved in branding. Yeah, uh, my best result always, and I should say my best result and most efficient result comes from whenever I communicate a very specific idea, right? Like I specifically am looking for this. Here are examples, right? Here's the color palette. Here's the style I'm looking for, right? Whenever I do that, I can I get something turned around that requires minimal edits, if usually and sometimes just none. Also, working and it and a lot of times too, I'll work with an artist that I really trust his aesthetic to where I don't have to give him that specific of a detail and more often than not, he really kind of turns around some really great results just because I, I know I know that I'm going to him for a specific thing that he specializes in, that he does really well, so I can kind of be a little looser on those because I know that he does this one thing. Um, but I have encountered frustrations with these guys sometimes, man, and I, Mike, you probably have too, where you, 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 you send them what you want, you get back your first draft, Right, and you're like, okay, this is perfect. Just change this one little thing, and they and I don't know what it is about the graphic artists where a lot of times they just can't help themselves. They <laughs> send it back, they change the one thing, but then they change a bunch of other shit. And I'm like, no, man, like you didn't have to change the other stuff. And then you have right. to go back and like revise and like it. it sometimes these things spiral out of control, <laughs> even though it's like at an unnecessary level. And, uh, but it's just, but I've encountered that so many times that now I just have to just think it's funny. Absolutely. I mean, to me, you know, I'm, I'm a process guy. And so sometimes I don't know what I want until I've seen kind of the first draft. And then I can say, Oh, okay, change this, change that color, do this, do that, move this here, move this there, you know. Um, so, so much of it, again, is going to be part of that process. I'm very fortunate, you know, my designer is incredibly patient with me because he knows that I obsess about, you know, very OCD things sometimes. Um, and, yeah, I mean, part of it is finding the right person. I've got a handful of other guys and, and you know, Eddie, we can give you some recommendations on great guys. It sounds like you're you're already sort of down the rabbit hole with two of them. Uh, one thing that isn't mentioned here, but I would recommend, is being very clear uh, about what the expectations are with the designer. Okay, what do you want out of it? Right, a logo. All right, what uh, for the price that you're paying? How many revisions do you get? What if you're not satisfied? You know, there's typically something called a kill fee. Um, which you know can run in the neighborhood of fifty percent of what the the logo quote is. So again, if you're going to be charged five hundred bucks for a logo, person goes through it. You know you've chosen them based on hopefully their portfolio. So if they and you can't see eye to eye, I mean you shouldn't pay full price necessarily unless that's their arrangement. But you should plan to pay them something. Again, it's subjective. You know your your. Uh, your preference or your acceptance of what they've created is based on your, uh, you know, your personal opinion. It's not based on something factual. If you've gone in and asked them to create a logo and they've done that, you should respect their time uh, in doing so. Yep. Uh, question number four comes from our loyal listener, Romaine. 
Love the Managemental Podcast. I was wondering if you could dig into the subject of studio bands, bands that only record music but don't play live shows. I am currently starting a band like that, and I'm working to find ways to make it as interesting as a regular band. I was wondering if you and Mike had any experience with a band like that, and if you had any advice for artists that won't do live shows regarding promotion or ways to keep feeding fans some content in between albums. It's an interesting question. I don't do a ton with quote-unquote studio bands, though there are plenty of artists that I'm sure we've both worked with that have had side projects that you know don't get the attention and might not ever play live. I mean, I don't think, you know, obviously playing out and playing live gives you an entire other arm of ways and reasons to promote as you're promoting and, and pushing a tour and individual shows and, of course, capturing live photos and live footage but that doesn't, I mean, you know, there's 360 degrees of how to promote. You know, that's maybe uh, a, a quarter of it at best. doesn't mean that you can't do the other 270 degrees and do it really well and find other ways to, to supplement that that will prevent you from promoting. I mean, I say great content done consistently over time. I don't say great content you know, that has to include live stuff. Keep your content interesting, engaging, uh, professional, and great. And to me, there, there's no real difference here. What about you? As a fan, some of my favorite music has been studio projects. There was uh, a studio project called Lard. I don't know if you remember this. It was. Uh, oh yeah, I remember that. It was the it was the Ministry guys and Jello Biafra. Uh, the member, um, there was a project called Egghead that was Ian Mackay and I believe also the Ministry guys. Wait, it, um, it's not, it's not Egghead, it's Egg Hunt. Egg Hunt. Because correct. I was just thinking about this after Easter, <laughs> and how yeah. I completely blown an opportunity. But don't worry, there's always next e Easter, Ian Mackay. If you're listening, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you, sucker. <laughs> yeah. And, th and there, there was. Uh, a side project from Henry Rollins and his bass player called Wartime. Um, I've never even was, heard that. Yeah, and 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 I, I think that there's a bunch more that I'm missing. Oh yeah, millions, um, right? I I actually had a studio project uh, with some buddies of mine called the Death Riders, and that was like a uh, sort of like a you know Cramps meets uh, you know Dick Dale. It was like sort of like this horror surf thing or whatever is that is that up on streaming services anywhere it is not um we need to get that one up there bro come on yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um and and i also do work uh with a uh a studio project that's kind of like a super group ish you know it's people from other bands they have a they have a studio project i like studio projects um, I, I, you know, from a fan perspective, from a musician perspective, and also, you know, from an artist perspective, like I, I like it. Now, if the question is how, how do you, how do you keep people entertained because you're not going to be promoting shows, you're not going to be promoting tours. So, um, I feel like you just have to do a lot of content. The band that, that, uh, I have worked with from a managerial side is 
made a lot of videos. Like, you know, they, they made a record. They did sort of a, a vinyl only as well as um, di digital, you know, streaming services. That's how they released their record. They had some cool pre-order packages, but they made a lot of videos. They, within within the budget, we carved out uh, a lot for videos, but the, the guy who was very savvy in pulling together favors and we made you know, I think like seven or eight videos, you know, music videos and stuff. And we, we continually put out those. So I think, you know, a video component, um, you know, the, the beauty is, is that we have so much access to stuff now to where you don't need a lot of money to make videos and, and promote content. Like you just gotta, you just gotta make it. So hopefully someone in your project is savvy in the the graphic you know digital marketplace video you know that you, hopefully that you have that asset internally to where you can make a lot of that stuff that was the that was the fortunate part of this project that i work with is that you know one of the guys was like very savvy in, in creating content so there was there was a wealth of it but you know that would be my suggestion yeah, all great suggestions. And, you know, I mean, one of the challenging things is obviously most of the side projects that, you know, in studio only projects you mentioned come with, come with a bit of a, a platform already. Talking about guys in ministry, talking about Ian McKay, Henry Rollins, talking about Blasco. But again, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, that is an advantage, but, but it shouldn't mean that you don't still have the resources to promote it. If it's great music and you've got great content and you figure out ways to engage, it might take time for it to really catch on, but there's no reason that you can't make an impact uh, by, by you know, listening to all of the tactics that we've talked about in previous episodes. Yep. Uh, the last question, number five, comes from our loyal listener, Jeff. Just thought a lot of your listeners probably don't know what specific people make up the quote unquote team. For example, a lawyer, booking agent, manager, etc. And maybe discuss what each one does and the importance of each and order in which you should find them. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Jeff. I feel like you know, we do cover this more or less. And I know in, in my Outer Loop coaching platform and, and we have a music management primer, i.e. an ebook that you can get just by going to outerloopcoaching.com. We cover this relatively extensively. That said, I don't know if, if we specifically mention what order to find them. You know, and and that's that is a good question. I always say you need to find them in the order of what you need at any given time. Right. So obviously, Velasco and I are managers. I'm a huge fan of finding a manager first, if that's what makes sense for your band. Right. Velasco and I will both tell you if you've got any paperwork in front of you, including that from a management company, you need an attorney. Right. So maybe an attorney is the first person you find. Hey, maybe you're lucky enough where the record label finds you, wants to put some music out, puts a contract in front of you. Make sure you've got an attorney that reviews that, you know, booking agent could come first. You've just got music out on your own. You're doing it DIY. Booking agent wants to help you. There is no 
you know, hopefully Blasco won't get mad at me here, but there's multiple ways to skin a cat, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> even if it's just uh, <laughs> whatever. I think uh, I'm not even going to go there. To me, it, it 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 really just matters that you're making educated choices uh, based on you know where your band is or where you know if you're in charge, you know whoever else is going to add value to the team at any given time. What what would you say, Blasco? No situation from my experience has ever fallen into some formula, um, nor would I suggest one. I think that from my experience, every situation has been different. The first member of the team is always different. Um, but fortunately, that first member of the team leads to the other members of the team like you said, when appropriate, right? So if a client that I have first had uh, an attorney pick them up, right? And then from there, they got a booking agent because that was necessary. And then the booking agent introduced them to me, who then became the manager, right? And then I built the rest of the team around that. and, uh, and, and, and I was still working with that attorney, right? Still, still in some respects working with the booking agent, like these people are still all around. Now I've had different experiences where those initial people are long gone and I've replaced them because it was necessary because the band grew above those initial people's skill level, right? And, and you've seen, you know, you, 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 there's, there's just no rhyme or reason to how it is. A team is obviously important when it's important and how that team comes to surround itself around the artist is always different. So there's no real correct formulaic answer here. It all just happens. But I would think that as a suggestion, if you're a band and whatever that first team member is, to make sure that you are very engaged with them and that you are relying on them to help you initially kind of build your team, right? Like, I mean, I think one of one of my bands that got signed, we, we got signed and then the A&R person introduced us to our attorney, introduced us to our manager and we built a team that way, right? So, but that was because we were engaged with our A&R person and he, understand that these people have relationships and they like working with certain people. So it's good to say, Hey man, who, who else can you introduce us to and, and uh, rely on them to, to help start to build your team that way? Yeah. I mean, it's easy for you and I 20 plus years in the biz to now say, Oh, it doesn't matter, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because we know once we're on board a team is going to eventually fall in place. Now that said, you know, I spend a lot of time in the developing artist sphere and it takes, you know, still efforts for me to get agents on board and certain members on board. And I do it in a very, um, you know, uh, strategic manner. Um, but you're right. I mean, ultimately to me, I think the one mistake people make, and I understand why you make it, you know, there's, there's so much to wanting validation. Hey mom, Hey, girlfriend, hey, wife, hey, insert person that you want to prove that all of these hours that you're spending doing this stuff is worth something. This, uh, you know, insert here, manager, label, attorney, booking agent, you know, PR person, whatever, 
has has vouched for me. They're they're giving me the cosign on on my you know my efforts. And I've watched a lot of artists make make mistakes that way. You know, if they were just a little bit more patient or really vetted the person who was coming at them and and waited. You know, as much as if there's no one right way to build a team, there is very much a right way to to. All right, we got to think about how I say this, but there's value in ensuring, and of course, nothing's a given. But ask around. You know, hey, this manager wants us to, to pick us up, or this management company. Are they doing well by you guys? And if they are, you know, and you get some recommendations, but don't just jump because somebody came knocking. No matter what the position is, if somebody, if Mike Mowry or Blasco comes knocking on your door, look, we're sitting here espousing a lot of wisdom. Doesn't mean that that we're the right fit for every single artist. You need to ask around. You need to get recommendations and ensure that you're making the right decisions based on what you need at any given time and whether or not that person's going to add the value. Remember, you got to pay these people. You know, our services are not free, and we're damn good at what we do. But, you know, the shoe doesn't always fit uh, for any of us in this, in this crazy world called the music business. Well, that concludes episode 66. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, what are your final parting thoughts? Man, this was a fun one. Let's not wait till we throw another six on the board before we do this again. To all of our loyal listeners out there in loyal listener land, thank you for continuing to support us. We really do appreciate it. We love hearing from you. We love hearing that you know we've been able to make some sort of impact in your lives. In addition to writing in, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are uh, listening to this. Share it with your friends, your families, your loved ones, other aspiring artists. Blasco and I do this for the love of what we do. You know, uh, so thank you very much for that. If you're interested in taking your career a little bit further uh, with very specific information, OuterLoopCoaching.com is my platform. As mentioned, we have our, our music management primer. We've got uh, courses called Release It Right, Connected, and so many others. It's really a fun way to take the information that we're providing here and move it in a much more specific manner. So do yourself a favor and check that out. Last but not least, find me on Twitter and Instagram, at MikeOloop. And last but not last, but still not least, Rockabilia.com is your place for merchandise. They support us, so please support them whenever you need some threads. PC Jabberjaw is 15% off. Blasco, uh, because people will listen to this after the fact, it was great seeing you this weekend, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully all of that happens and, and that that part right there actually works out you know we'll post a picture of uh you and i together if indeed it happens <laughs> there you go thanks everyone thanks guys
This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like Chicago's. Yeah! Down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.